This is Notes from a Native Daughter. I am Sobranela. My guest is Aris Mejia, a multidisciplinarian artist, designer, and actress. There's a lot more to her than just these two things, but we're going to target those for this particular conversation. Okay. Eh, gracias. Gracias a ti. Por el desayuno. De nada. <laughs> corazón, barriga contenta, corazón contento. Exacto. I want to start with, um, with Skin Onion like the name, and then work, peel the layers of you, un poquito. Okay. ¿Cómo tú piensas en Skin Onion el nombre? It's kind of funny because I, a lot of people ask me about the name. Um, the name came before, way before the line. Um, not before sewing. I've been, I've been sewing since I was six. Um, my mom gave me a little sewing machine and you know, started sewing since I was really young. And um, throughout my life, I've found um, spaces where I either could do theater and help within wardrobe. And like, all, I've always been around things that have to do with clothing. But Skin Onion actually came a lot later. Um, I was, it was a performance originally. It was something that I wanted to do for myself. So. Around um, 2001, 2005, I don't, I don't remember. Um, I used to do a lot of street performance work, um, circus and stilting and fire dancing and all these things. And once I started doing that, I also started doing more experimental things and very mainly like autobiographical performing. I don't know how to, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it was something that I, like, I wanted to do these pieces that were metaphorical expressions of me and I created a whole bunch of characters in different ranges and I was working on one that was called Skin Onion um, and it was it was me um, using some costumes that I would have made I didn't ever I didn't ever make them with translucent fabric and just started peeling off things meanwhile dancing I never actually ended up doing it because I moved away. I came here to New York. I was living in Puerto Rico at that time. And then during that transition of creating that piece, I moved to New York. So the name was was there floating in, in the ether, I think. And, you know, when you move to a different country and new environments and new life, you, you kind of have to stop everything that you thought you were and stop everything that you think you were going to do because Everything is new, and I, you know, even creating comes along with, like, having your workshop, having your materials, having your things, and when you move to a new place, all those things disappear, and then they have to be redesigned and rethought. So the name, the name was there, but the piece wasn't. So I tried making the piece even when I was here, and I kept pushing for it, but it, it just didn't work out, and... Um, I think it was 2012. Um, I I went through a very like rough period economically, and I had like very little money, and the, I just wanted to do something creative. And I went, I bought like with the last fifty or sixty bucks that I had, I bought a roll of fabric, and um, I started sewing. And I just decided to, just I don't know, I just started doing something. I couldn't be here with my hands crossed and just waiting for something to happen. So I started sewing and a friend of mine, coincidentally, that same week after I was sewing for a full 
I don't know, week, two weeks, said she was doing a small pop-up on a stoop sale or something like that. And she was like, I'm going to sell. Do you want to sell with me? Do you have anything to sell? I was like, well, I actually started sewing a whole bunch of pieces because I just, I was desperate. And she was like, oh, perfect. Put a label on it and let's just do it. So I literally went, ordered a stamp online, the skin onion, I grabbed an onion and made it with the most basic font. It's like impact. Like It's like, you know, like really bad, really bad label, but it's funny. I still use it. I just, I've never. I that put, same logo is the one you have now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. But it's the same name and it's kind of funny because everyone goes like, wow, I love the name. And I'm like, yeah, me too. It's stuck. But I never thought of it as a clothing line. It was always like. It was always a very personal, very, 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 very personal um, origin. I don't know. It, it means so much more. I still think I should do the performance, but whatever. At this point, I think the clothing line hijacked. <laughs> but the clothing line is very personal. And the clothing line uh, is an expression of you, of survival. And I guess there's something very... Um, sort of poetic about the way it transitioned from performance, self-exploration, new place, self-exploration. You have to make something of it. You're not going to drown. You know? Yeah. It's uh, layers of of experience and life, and here you are maturing. True. I mean, it is very personal, although um, it is not. I, I I would say the the phase of designing it is very personal because you will choose something over other just based on your criteria to choose um, and that's what becomes what makes you become a designer in the first place but when you are handling something that is a product it's no longer yours you know what I mean there's there's there are things that I perhaps wouldn't have chosen, but because this is a business, because this is something that is being offered to other people, um, it stops being yours. So I think that that is a good thing and also the bad thing because I make things that I kind of feel bad selling because I don't want to sell them. <laughs> I don't want to keep them. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's no longer personal. I, I really have had um, a process of detachment from beginning from the name to to everything to every product it's it becomes a product um i i i really believed in skin onion or any a business i i've always wanted to have a business that was separate from me um meaning um my other work as an actor it it relies on me 100% it relies on me learning my lines it relies on me becoming a character, um, living a world, and, and eventually being on in front of a camera or on stage. It's 100% me. There's no other... I can't just say, okay, I'm going to get a substitute to do my work. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. So I've always been scared that because it, it is just like 100% oneself, you you have no other options it's very it's liberating and limiting and and i was scared that it if you grow old and you know when you grow old that 
if your mind falters or your eyesight falters or your hands, you, you know, you know, you never know what's going to be in the future. But it's very critical if you're only depending on yourself. So I wanted something that was external from me. It's like I sit every every week, I make new patterns, and it means like expanding. It's like the database of what Skin Onion is, because eventually it will go to a, fab, a factory or someone else will sew it for me. The initial process is personal, but then it becomes something external, where where that is like my retirement fund almost. You know, like I I believe in it. As a business, that's something that will allow me to grow old with dignity and not not fear that I'm I'm the only thing that depends on myself. Because as an artist, we rarely have good social security funds or you know retirement funds because we freelance. So what what are the options? We need we need to think about how how is that gonna work when i'm 60 70 i'm not no longer able to remember my lines or no longer remembering how to work on a stage or how to work in front of a camera i hope i will be able to do that until i'm 90 or still i would like to have the me mental clarity and peace of mind to have something that's not mine that's why i say it's not super personal like it, it is but it's not it is really not. And I've, I've really thought about it that way. It has to be that way. Right. It's two sides of one coin. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. So what about the act of sewing uh, engages you? Like when when you started and your mom had you like learn how to sew, that's amazing. Like when did you connect with it? Did you like find it interesting? Obviously you found it interesting or, or maybe not. I don't know. For me, it was a nightmare whenever my mom made me do that and now I regret it and that's why I wanted to come and see like the work environment like how, how do you do it oh my lord and these are beautiful well it's crazy because I that that first sewing machine I got so frustrated with it that I cut the cord the electric cord <laughs> like it wasn't like oh I love it from the beginning mm -mm. Mm -mm. I think I think children are are very willful in their own sense. Like either they love something or they hate it, um, and there's no other option to it. And kids will have their way, you know. Moms will always give them white rice with a little bit of cheese because they won't eat the the habichuelas, you know. They won't eat the beans, or they won't eat the carrots, or they won't eat the vegetables. So, so the kids will have that. Um, I guess it went from love, hate, love, hate, Contis consistently just for the fact that just just because my mom would sew and my grandma would sew and all my aunties would sew. And then it just became a, a matter of being immersed around it. And there there was no other option because I would see my mom sewing all the time. So eventually I had to help her out, you know. But it wasn't love initially. I don't think kids love to eat vegetables. You know, they, they they're going to be forced to do it. Eventually, they're going to love it, but I guess that's that's the process I went through as well. Um, I obviously had a knack. I obviously, there's something that drew me to it, and um, it was also a survival skill. Um, when I went to college, there was very few people who sewed, um, so I was lucky enough to 
I studied theater, so I was lucky enough to be able to make costumes for people. And that was kind of like fun because, you know, like, oh, I have a play. Like, can you do costumes and also be an actor? So it kind of enabled me to do both um, consistently. So it was it was a survival skill. But I don't think I don't think it was love at first first sight. I really just think it was just something that got pushed so much and consistently enough that I eventually grew onto it. Mm-hmm. Now I love it. Now it's a um, it's a uh, mental challenge, um, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. I will. I am a better designer just because I sew, and I'm always thinking of how a piece. Sorry, how a piece can be constructed. For production, let's say that I make a design, oh, I'm going to make this shirt and I, I design it, I make the pattern and then when I start sewing it, I realize that there are things that need to be different if I were to bring it to production. So that that feeds off a lot um, also as not only a space where I think and, and meditate and just be like just have a mindless experience of doing something with your hand without really thinking that much, and also is a tool for understanding how to make better garment construction. Well, if I were to resume it, I I believe Scanonian in, in, is very different from a lot of the clothing that I see from designers that I admire um, from Puerto Rico and elsewhere. It's It's not a clothing line for avant-garde or like extraordinary pieces. I, I'm 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 literally going for basic pieces and then I'm also feeding into the design, the production. When I mean production it's not me sewing it, it means about how can I go to a factory and make this? Because in a factory you have to account for it's not only one tailor sewing it. It goes from the cutting stages to the um, stitching. Like how how are these processes like made so that the stitchers will be able to make it easier and and time efficient. Like it, it's all really about knowing how to work within factories. Um, I I studied pattern making um, at FIT, but I also worked and I and I also studied. Um, Tailoring, high-end tailoring and FIT. I have two like certificate degrees, which I I find marvelous. Rather than having to do two BAs or masters just in design, I wanted to be f- focused on, on the garment construction from the structural. Um, and that informed a lot of what Skin Onion is because... You know, there's amazing, there's amazing things you can create with fabric, but if you can't produce it fast enough um, and in a healthy way, like I don't believe in sweatshops, you know, we could produce a lot of things cheaply, but then Bangladesh, you know, had disasters like the, the collapse of a factory years ago. All these things are not okay. So I'm trying to marry those two ideals of being fair of of how to make something that could be profitable if the garment is constructed in a way that it's easy enough for medium set skills in a factory to be made you know you don't need 
the any of these pieces are made fairly easy um, by a medium skilled tailor. That's cool. Yeah. Are you proud? Yeah, very much. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of like I sit back sometimes and I think it's taken me a while to. It's taken me a while to like actually envision this and see it as a brand. Um, even envision myself as a designer. I, I didn't want people to know it was me. I wanted to just have people either accept it as a brand or not, just by its own merits. Because I'm fairly known as an actor, but I didn't know how people would respond to me doing a brand. And I kept it quiet. I think it was like maybe last year that I eventually like, okay, I'm gonna just throw my name in there and make it a big splash and tell people it's me. Um, so I am proud that people like it regardless. Del dicho al hecho hay un gran trecho. Pues ese tipo de cosas, este, como que prefiero no decir nada, quedármelo callado, hacer y ver. Y si entonces sabes, pues vea, ahí está. Pero eso de estar hablando y decir, yo voy a hacer tal cosa y no hacerla, me caga, me caga, me caga. Y entonces, háblate de, vamos a hablar de la película. Y tu otra faceta que me, pare, me parece fascinante. Que puedas, estés, estás navegando las dos, las dos áreas y eso está súper bien. Bien, heavy. Tú sabes. Uh -huh. Y yo pienso que sí, hay que hacerlo así. No, ya, ya podemos entrar. Yeah. Hablar de Sol de Medianoche. Sol de Medianoche. Okay. I'm, I'm an actor in that movie. Um, I'm a co-star. Uh, I'm actually one of the leads. Uh, it's a female role, which is kind of funny because I usually do non traditional female roles um more like masculine i'd rather go for the masculine but it's interesting that they're willing to um hire a non-masculine actress i mean non-feminine more like geared to masculine to to do a lead role and and it was funny i, I thought it was great um and work to that um so you were asking before like how how interesting it is that i have a full-on acting career with like a clothing line which is funny because a lot of people always ask the same thing how why do you have the two and I think it goes back to like growing up and having done both consistently since I was a kid it's like a habit you know maybe a bad habit but it is still nonetheless a habit and I was like always sewing things for my friends and like and doing talent shows and then doing the wardrobe for the talent shows and like you know I've always wanted to keep keep myself busy um the difference is now that as a grown-up I've assumed both as a business and I guess that's natural evolution you also mentioned something really interesting about um how design influences both which is not something that I get asked often and I and it does influence both my my work in like every aspect um from the design aspect and clothing I will always find the practical utilitarian way of designing for women that want to walk that want to bend that want to pick up shit and that sorry anything pick up anything 
Um, <laughs> you can bleep that out. Um, you know, it's 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 about bringing on utilitarian design and practicality with also the concept of of enabling women to be designers on their own in their own right. I f I feel that a lot of a lot of clothing takes away from the capacity of women choosing their own accessories and choosing their own ways to interpret clothing because they will it'll have like a big bold design in the front or big bold patterns and that and that cuts away from the fact that you might have 10 different necklaces that could go with like the same shirt but you can't because it doesn't always allow for it so I'll I'll design within that like allowing women to express their own interests and designs and idea of design with their own bodies that said um how that goes to my film work it freaking does on every single aspect i i'm very careful of how i present characters especially female characters i will always look for female indications of like how to present this character as a, as a stronger female as an able-bodied human being i will always question would you receive this action the same way if it were a man or if it were a woman, would you judge it? Would you not? Are you playing this because you're writing it from a male standpoint? And I'm not saying it's bad or not. It's just that you have to be aware of it. So I will always take care of like the minimum design, like in terms of like, let's say a character is written with really short tights and like, like she's always walking around with her tits on the air. Okay, great that's valid that does exist in real life but where is it coming from are you are you aware one as an actor or as a director or as a writer that 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 does send a message in terms of like how we present women and how we perpetuate and and how we perpetuate the image of a woman So that's always in my in my conversations, like initial conversations of a script. I will always go back to that because it's, you know, in the end, I'm a woman and I'm a feminist and I'm, I'm aware of how I want to present womanhood now. You know, if it's not us, who's going to do it, you know? So that 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 does play a lot. Also, I will play a lot with wardrobe in my characters. I'm 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 almost drawn to the little things like. I will always have like a tiny little request to wardrobe, like, ah, let's try this. What about that? Or, or I'm also very open to like, just being uncomfortable, like having people, like the last movie that I did, um, Anna, um, they dressed me with like these sweatpants, like from a man and it was like raunchy and uncomfortable and then gold tennis shoes. And I, I would never wear gold tennis shoes, but it was funny. It was like, You know what? Yeah, why not? You know, I'm always open for for the image of like creating something from the design standpoint. So I guess I am a very design oriented person on any of those two career paths. Um, Sol de Medianoche, I actually ended up lending some of Skin Onion garments to the to the film. Mm -hmm. Um it was funny because they were like, yeah, let's use your stuff and let's promo it. And I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't. I still I still get a little like weird. You're uncomfortable with it. Yeah, because it's you know it's my acting work. So 
I'd rather leave it not because I have my clothing line and I want to impose on it. I want the costume designer to decide, you know, this works and this doesn't. It's it's it a fine line and you're aware of it. Yeah. And they just wanted to use your clothes because they liked it. Yeah, because it worked for the character and because, you know, it, it worked. Um, the Sol de Medianoche character, as it was written by the novel, um, is a very different character than they chose to cast it. The original character is a, it's an overweight woman who is not appealing sexually at all. And they casted me, and I was I was a little bit confused because I was like, wait, she's supposed to be ugly, and she's supposed to be overweight, and I'm like skinny and not ugly at all, and I'm, I'm not sh ashamed to say it. So how do we play that? And then um, we worked around not uh, about around being a woman that is slightly masculine, which is very much like me, and then awkward, socially awkward, and that would compensate for not for those other things that were not as written in the book. Um, she is a cartoonist, like a, a erotic cartoon uh, illustrator. We used the drawings of a very amazing friend of mine, Camila Buxeda. Her name is Cocodrilox on, on Instagram and like her persona. Um, and she draws these very interesting, very aggressive um, illustrations, which are nude bodies with their heads usually um, fused into plant matter like leaves or plantains and like all these very interesting very sexual but very aggressive where you know the face is never present and the plants express so um this was part of the character and it it is a it's it was i i really appreciated that even within the work that we chose for the character to express her nonconformity, we chose the work of someone who's who's as strong like that. Um, so, yeah. And so, how was it working with Pedro? Ay, Pedro. Pedro is some marvelous guy. He's really, really sweet. Um, Pedro, Pedro is that man. He's a hard worker. He's amazing. I, I have, I usually have a lot of respect um, in general for my co-stars because people think that filmmaking is like oh it's about being pretty or it's about like yeah he's the star i've never met anyone in my i don't know how many years of of career that has gone to a set and that i have not admired because set film film work is brutal man it's not it's not glamorous i invited my mom and my dad for the first time a couple years ago for when we were shooting the vessel and <laughs> They were so confused. They were like, why are we waiting? I'm like, mom, you got to wait. Like, there's light, there's the setup, and there's mosquitoes. And yes, it smells. You know, there's cockroaches. And like, you know, you sit on a corner of the set and you wait. And there's interminable hours of waiting. And then there's a rush of doing at the minute. And sometimes it's sweaty. You're like, you're dealing with so much. And any film actor gets my respect because I, I mean there's no way that you can arrive to a set unless you have done your work like any professional set man you have to work hard to get there so Pedro was amazing and Pedro I I heard um a conversation and I'm sure you with Chente you know Chente freaking Chente makes me laugh so he interviewed Pedro and he's 
he's there like to asking Pedro, so how do you get into movies? He's like, well, I've been a singer all my life. And then all of a sudden, my agent's trying to get me stuff because I'm not getting work. He sends me to an audition and I book it. And it's like a Broadway show, like a touring Broadway show. So he starts touring and then he gets into Celia. And then all of a sudden he's like, he was saying like, I went to my first day of rehearsal and I, I, I didn't even have highlighters. I didn't know that I needed a pen and a pencil to like, so he was really like, Pedro has been a really hard worker to just like be a person that has been aware and open, you know, mm -hmm. from coming from a singing standpoint, he's an amazing performer and very aware of the stage and audience and like his persona on set. You just saw him sharp on point, his lines, everything. And he was touring at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. he would travel to Guatemala, to Honduras, do the tour, and then come back to shoot. Like it's, it's insane. And he's like on 99% of the movie in every frame. Like that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. And he had two characters. No, he's amazing. He's an amazing, amazing, amazing actor. What about you being here? How long have you been in the city? Why did you move? Was it because of love? Yeah. Um, yeah. A Puerto Rican married to an Italian. Hot <laughs> combination. <laughs> Spicy. So I moved um, my first time in New York. It was 99 until 2001. I moved... Um, out of New York right before September 11th. I, I moved out in August. I had come to do an um, internship, no, exchange program with Hunter um, during that time. And then I moved back because I didn't want to pay. I didn't want to have a, um, a loan, a student loan. I, you know, college was fairly inexpensive inexpensive in Puerto Rico, but extremely expensive here. So my voice of reason was like, I'm not going to become an artist with a huge student loan down the line. So I came back to Puerto Rico, spent there 10 years working on and off in film theater and whatever else I could find. And then um, in the midst of that, I was already like letting go of a lot of things. And I had planned to move either to Argentina Spain or Mexico. I was like putting my apartment for rent and like giving away my stuff. And every time, every so often, I would just take a whole bunch of stuff from my apartment and give out. And then in that process, I met Mateo. Um, I had a one-way ticket for Spain um, to Madrid. I had spent there three months at one point and bought a return ticket and... I was like, okay, this is the time that I'm going to go and just go and not come back. And I met Mateo. And my my flight left from, my, my flight would have left from New York. So I was, I came early to New York. Um, I had already been in conversations and I was like, hey, I'm going to be in New York for a week. Like, I can come and visit you and I'm leaving then from Madrid. I'm just leaving. I'm gone. He's like, sure, sure, stay with me. And I never left. Never made it to Madrid. <laughs> and then I was like, am I a feminist? What am I doing? <laughs> I was like, this you is... You fell in love. Yeah, but it's crazy because, you you know, you don't change your... In my my hands, like, my... my like, I don't... I don't... I never visualized myself as, like, someone who would change my life plans 
for men. You know, that was not my feminist view. Like, you do your things and fuck men. Um, sorry, you do things and whatever. Men can deal with it. But, um, but yeah, I ended up in New York, never left. And it's been almost 10 years now. It's nine, nine something. So I'm here. <laughs> He's Italian. He's fiery as a Puerto Rican. He's born and raised in Bari in the southern part of Italy. And they're a crazy bunch down there. They're, they're as loud as Puerto Ricans. They make inappropriate jokes. Um, we're just really nice people, too. Like, they're very similar to Puerto Ricans. So I guess that's why I like it so much. You bet. Yeah. All right. So we're going to be on the lookout for a Sol de Medianoche. Yeah, so to recap, um, right now in October, uh, we have Sol de Medianoche premiering October 26th. Um, I'm also doing, at the same time, two events called The Changing Room, which happen in Puerto Rico as well, one in San Juan, one in Ponce. And it's going to be the weekend before the premiere, Changing Room in Marriott premiere and then Changing Room in Ponce. And Changing Room is a group from Barcelona that does like events on international scale. They'll do it in Barcelona, likewise in Puerto Rico, where they get designers and they give them a full room in a hotel. They'll rent out a full floor and people will go through different rooms and see this designer here and You know, they can try on the clothing and buy and whatever. And then they go to the next designer, next designer, next designer. So it's like a gallery that happens in, in a hotel. It's called the changing room. And you're going to be there. Yeah, I got invited. Um, I got invited this, this year, which, which for me, it's like a pretty big deal. It's a very, very big deal. Um, the dates are going to be a changing room, the 20 and the 21st in the Marriott Hotel in San Juan, and then Sol de Medianoche, the 26th, and then the 27th to the 29th in Ponce for the changing room. So it's going to be a really busy October for me. I'm right now in production, sewing a lot to have enough merchandise for, for that. And then also my, I'm going to try and make my own um, premiere red carpet dress. I'm trying, if I have time. <laughs> Oh I love sense. it. Yeah. That's Simplicity it. goes a long way. Remember that. True. Um, yeah, I'm trying to make something extraordinary. Maybe I'll just, whatever, make a little something. I don't know. I always wear something of mine, but yeah. it's all about time. It's all about time. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. Qué linda. I love it. Skin onion. <laughs>